But where our businesses can really thrive and where we've come alive the most in our lives is when we're living into that zone of genius. The zone of genius is typically an area that it comes so naturally to you. You're so good at it that it doesn't even feel like work. You just love doing it. It lights you up. You could do it all day, every day. When you come away from that thing, you're energized. For some of the most pivotal years of my life, tears were tucked back and hidden behind a masquerade of being tough. Being a warrior, someone who could hustle, work hard, and get things done. But it wasn't until I started to get more in tune with who I really am that things took off in my business. Welcome to I Might Cry, a podcast exploring how heart, mind, body, and spirit are all deeply woven into the way we do business. With guest interviews from experts in business strategy, therapy, emotional intelligence, the human body, and so much more. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marks of Almond Leaf Studios. I've been capturing luxury weddings around the globe for decades and now have the privilege of educating others on how to build and grow profitable business doing what they love. I'm on a journey of self-discovery, of becoming more of the uniquely beautiful, messy, and complex human that I was created to be. And I want to invite you to do the same. Join me on this adventure of uncovering the walls we've built that keep us stuck in patterns of limitation so that we can journey into living life with arms and hearts wide open. Let's venture into this together. Thank you so much, Katie, for being on here. I am really excited to get to connect with you and hear more about what it's been like trying to grow your business through the pandemic and to really kind of work through together some of the challenges that have come from being a wedding photographer, first and foremost, who not only is juggling family, work, all of that, but then also dealing with all of the craziness of all the postponed weddings from last year, and then all of the wild world of shooting like crazy, trying to make up for it now. So let's start with maybe just a quick introduction of how long you've been in business, anything else that you want to share about your story? So I've been in business for about five years. I started my journey more in like sports photography and filmmaking. And then I kind of slowly transitioned into like weddings and capturing families. I started like five years ago, but like at full time, but I had my daughter. So it was kind of more part-time and taking care of my daughter. And then once she was about 15 months, I kind of started pushing it a little bit more full-time. Last year, I probably would have been my first year almost being fully booked. I would have had about 18 weddings and then I was very proud and then COVID hit. (laughs) And then things got pushed and canceled. And then this year now, it's like you're kind of dealing with more of like a 25 weddings and double headers and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So that's been a bit challenging for sure, especially with my daughter and being gone every weekend and she's in daycare Monday to like to Wednesdays. So it's like we have like a day together, just me and her. So that's been a bit tough, but like, it's yeah. funny because uh, all my friends were like, oh, like if you book 20 to 25 weddings, you're good. And that's full time. And so for five years, I've been trying to kind of do that. And then now it's like, oh, this is a lot. And then like, I guess the CEO of Katie Crane Photography would have seen me like, oh, you're very proud that as like a mom and a wife, I'm like, Hmm, it's like almost a different form of success. So I think that's kind of where I'm at now. If that yeah, can... 
Absolutely. You wrote something to me that was essentially that you said, I really felt that success was having 25 weddings and being Mm -hmm. fully booked. And now I'm kind of regretting it. (laughs) It took so long to get to this point and I was super proud and now everything else kind of got pushed away. Let's explore that a little bit. I think a huge part of of really success as an entrepreneur and as a mom and photographer, like that should be the beauty could be maybe is a better word. I don't like using should when I can help it. So it could be the invitation to like really craft and and develop the kind of lifestyle that we want. And it took me a lot of years to figure this out. So you were way ahead of me on this. Um, But let's just kind of explore a little bit, like what comes up for you when you think about the kind of relationship, the kind of time that you want to be having with your daughter, Peyton, how does that feel with what you desire or long for versus the time that you have now? Does that feel in alignment or does that feel out of whack? I would say right now it's probably a bit out of whack. It's funny because when she was born, I kind of went through a lot of like postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So part of me kind of regrets a little bit like when she was born, I kind of started working, like slowly getting gigs, like around the three month, four month. Like I was so nervous. Like if I didn't keep going, the business would go, my career would go. And like, I wouldn't know what else to do. And then with dealing with postpartum, like everyone's like, Oh, like, don't you have a connection with her? Don't you love her? And I'm like, I do. But it's like, I think at that point in time, I felt like not connected to like really anything. And the only on that time I was like, photography was a way of connecting with something whether that was with people and story and stuff like that so eventually with the pandemic last year when everything kind of settled down it was almost like a blessing in disguise it was almost like a second chance where for me and Peyton you know Toronto announced we were going to go on lockdown for like two weeks and I'm like oh what am I going to do with her for two weeks she can't go to daycare and like I was like between us I was really stressing I was like oh my goodness and then that two weeks became almost six, six, eight months. And I had like a couple of weddings, but maybe that was probably about six to eight. And they were kind of like spread out like two weddings a month. So it was very easy to manage. Mm-hmm. And me and her just hung out all the time. And then, you know, if I was doing editing, I would put a show on her. She would have YouTube once in a while. And then I would have my parents to kind of, and my in-laws to kind of help watch her during like the weekdays where I kind of got some editing done. And then eventually she went back to daycare. So it was, I think for, I guess me and Peyton, like we kind of bonded quite mm-hmm. a bit during those six to eight months. And then even when we moved in December, I took her out of daycare. Like we weren't sure like where, if there was a daycare closer. So then she was home with me again for four months during the off season. And then she went back to daycare in April and then it went from like zero to kind of 180. So right now I would say like, I feel like for her, like she's like, why do you have to work so much mommy? Why are you gone? And then even though when I'm here, I can truthfully say like, I'm not there, like Mm -hmm. mentally, if that makes sense. It's like, I'm constantly worrying about like getting booked and I'm constantly worrying like, Oh, am I going to do a good job for my clients? Like, what about they don't like my photos or, I take so long to edit and like what about they didn't hate me because then my timelines and my deliverables are like gonna be so long and Mm -hmm. and it's like I've never ever shot a double header before like I've just heard a lot of my mentors say like nope shoot one wedding a weekend and have that creative flow going and now we're shooting double headers triples and back-to-back shoots Mm -hmm. so it's just like it's 
a lot that I haven't experienced. And like next week, I have my first double live never shop before. So Mm -hmm. it's slowly kind of like that anxiety of like the unknown or what you're not used to and being like drained and just kind of go shooting on autopilot almost. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I want to come back to that because I do think we can be really intentional to kind of set you up for having some creativity the best that we can for those double headers. We're in the same boat with you. I think a lot of people are where, you know, I typically have a policy of like, no, I won't do more than my cap is typically 10 a year. And I definitely don't do double headers, but this year is the exception to the rule. Right. (laughs) And I think that's going to be true for a lot of people. One of the things that we are approaching it with is like just reminding ourselves, like we we kind of made a commitment. I don't even think even in this that there's a right or a wrong. I think it's okay to to have not chosen what we did, but we are doing what you did and just saying if we can just make it work this year, we will make it work. But where I think we need to be really cautious is for us, at least at the end of the year saying, okay, let's not let this pattern continue into the next year. Mm-hmm. So setting some boundaries around that and saying, okay, we're going to learn from this. It's going to be a wild ride for the rest of the year. But then after that year, we're going back to some boundaries that feel really good and really peaceful and comfortable for us. So let's come back to kind of setting you up for success on that. But I want to go back to the balance of like being a mom, wanting to have time with your kids, feeling that tension, that pressure of the kids wanting you more of your time and affection. Again, I, I'm I'm in this with you, you know, like my daughter still sometimes is like another meeting. I thought you were done. And I'm thinking, honey, I only was gone for an hour. I've only hour. had an hour of work, you know. And so I think in some ways there's a permission and a freedom that we need to give ourselves to recognize that, you know, they're, it's possible that we could give them all the time in the world and that they still would be longing for more because they love us and there's that beautiful connection. So I think what really has been helpful for me is is really getting honest with myself about what I really want and giving myself permission to say, you know what, while I love my daughter, there are times that I'm excited to go work, mm-hmm. but I also can tell you the exact things in my business that I'm excited to do and the things that I'm dreading doing, the things that feel like I would rather be with my child right now. I'd rather be hanging out. I'd rather go on a hike. I'd rather go do something else. So let's get really specific with some of the things in your business that are really, that you feel like are all on your shoulders and that you feel like are things that you know, maybe you could let go of, or maybe you could begin to outsource. Do you have anything that comes to mind? Even as I'm saying that, what are some things that you're like, don't love doing that. Wish I was with my kid when I'm doing that task. <laughs> well, I like I do love editing, but I have like started to kind of outsource my editing. So I like I was listening to one of your podcasts a few weeks ago and you mentioned like outsourcing or things that you kind of would, you know, if you would have kind of known now mm-hmm. that you would have done was I'm going to try outsourcing with editing. I plan to heard different stories, like colleagues of mine that outsourced and they didn't like it. And then they had to redo it. And some colleagues who like love it. And they're like, I got some of my life back. So I'm like, you know, I've been always like such like an avid. I'm like, Oh, I have a hard time letting go. But the thing is, I'm very, if I'm being truthfully honest, I'm so critical of myself. And I think that's probably why it takes so long to edit because I'm the most indecisive person on the planet. My girlfriends can call an entire wedding in like an hour, two hours. It takes me almost like half a day just to call. I just finished calling an engagement session and I started this morning after I dropped Peyton off at daycare. Mm-hmm. And I keep going back. Oh, what about this one? Oh, I don't know. Or like, And then you keep going back and forth rather than just going with your gut. So 
even something like that. Whereas if there's fresh eyes or like no judgment, no bias, Mm -hmm. and people are looking at it, then maybe they're like, oh, well, he kept that. Maybe he thinks it's a good shot. Whereas like, oh, I might have not have kept it or or vice versa kind of thing, where maybe like I'm delivering too many and then I'm overwhelming my clients and maybe that's why it's taking me so much longer to edit. It's like, I have too many duplicates because I can't make a decision mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. So that's what I am started. And I submitted my first two sessions on Friday. So I'm going to see how that goes. And Great. I did like the test images back and like, they came back pretty good. And like, as you mentioned in your, like the podcast and when we were emailing that, like, you're like, it's like a relationship. Mm-hmm. You slowly have to like develop it and like, not just one shot. It's going to be perfect. And like, even for me, like there's not one wedding that's forever perfect for me. Like mm-hmm. there's always ways to improve ways to like see composition, like that kind of thing. So and when I got my images back, I was actually very surprised. And like the only thing that's maybe different is like I would have ingested a little bit of the skin tones, brightened it a bit. But other than that, it was really, really good. <laughs> yeah. So how much time do you feel like? Have you do you track your time at all? First of all? <laughs> no, my husband okay. told me I should probably do that though. <laughs> yeah. So I like to use a program called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. It's free. It's super easy. You literally can go in and track your time. You can just hit this timer when you start a task and then you can stop it and you can name it whatever you want. It'll pull up recent. It's really easy to use. And then you can also go back if you're like, Ooh, I started editing at 8am and I it's 10am and I totally forgot. You can just like add it back in. So it's super easy. I would definitely recommend starting to track that. Even if you just say, okay, I'm going to be really diligent about tracking for like one month or two weeks Mm -hmm. or something just to kind of see like how much time it actually takes you to do a task and where your time is actually going in your business. Because when you start to see that, you can begin to make decisions a little more clearly out of data instead of out of that emotional response of like, sitting down to your desk and be like, I don't know what I should be doing. I know that this one feels overwhelming. This thing feels more urgent. This email response feels really urgent. And then we just get in this cycle of like responding to and really running our business out of this like reactivity of like putting Mm -hmm. out fires. And like, this is the thing that feels the most in flames right now or the most urgent instead of like, if I put my time into this thing is actually going to make me more money. And if I put my time into this thing, it's going to make me money on this way, or it's going to move the needle. Or if I put my time into my business in this way over here, maybe I'm going to free up my time and be able to have more time with Peyton, with my daughter, with my family. So I think begin to track that time. It would be okay. like super, super significant. I would also say, let's do this. Can you even guess like between culling, editing, all of that, how much time do you typically invest in a wedding? I would say probably about three weeks. Okay. Three weeks of like, like 40 hours a week or? Um, I would say like, because Peyton's in daycare, like Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, Monday to Wednesday. So it's about eight hours. But in between that, I'm like, I'm sending emails and having living, mm-hmm. like meetings. But I would say at least, yeah, I would say it like it's been taking me about three weeks, even a little bit longer to kind of get a full gallery that's like calling, editing, going through my second shooter stuff. Yeah. And then uploading it to Pixie Set, organizing Pixie Set so it like tells my story and then sending the email over. So let's just say let's just say that if we were to be tracking that time of those three weeks, that let's say maybe like 50 or 60 of those hours would be like actual editing culling. Does that feel about right? Yeah, I would say. Okay. Have you ever sat down to figure out what your hourly rate is? Like what your time is really worth? 
No. <laughs> no, that's okay. A lot of people have it. I know a lot of people are like, what is hourly rate? I don't know. There's some simple math that we can do to help figure that out for you. So you have really specific numbers for you and specific mm-hmm. to your time and your business. And we can work through all of that as well, like offline. But I would say just as an average, if you have no idea, usually an, a good hourly rate starting point is $100 an hour. That's a great place to kind of like begin as a business owner. If you're an employee of the business and you're working for somebody else, that number mm-hmm. can look very different. But as the owner of a business, I feel like $100 an hour is a great starting point. So, okay. Let's just do some simple math and go, okay, Okay. let's say we're doing 60 hours of culling and editing for that wedding times $100 an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see where I'm going money. with this? Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of money. So for that time, you should be paying yourself $6,000 for yeah. that time that you're putting in to edit. Now that doesn't include paying your second shooter, paying your taxes, paying all of the other things, all of the time that's going into emailing them. You know, there's a lot of other things that go on there. Mm-hmm. So if editing feels super important to you and you really want to have that control, you really, really enjoy doing it, then I would highly recommend doing the math on making sure that it makes sense for your business. So that would probably mean for you starting at like eight, $9,000 for a package. Now, <laughs> I was going to say, what comes up for you with that? <laughs> Does that feel possible? No. I don't Do you mind so. me asking where you start right now? Right now, I... I've increased my like packages to by about 500, but I've been having a lot of like no's lately. So my packages are, I was hoping to start at like 3,500 for an eight hours. And that mm-hmm. includes like travel, second shooter, engagement shoot. I probably was more like between 2,800 to 3,000. And that's where I was kind of getting like more bookings. And since I've increased, I haven't really had the booking. My mentors say just hang in there. And again, yeah. cause like you were saying, they're like, Every year I do my taxes, my mother-in-law goes, Katie, like, she's like, you're not profiting enough or like seeing a trend that my expenses are very similar, mm-hmm. but like the numbers aren't kind of going up. So yeah, so that's why I'm like, okay, well, if I average make about 3,500 a wedding, my second shooter makes about five, then it's like, okay, it's not too, too bad. But again, now I'm like, where do I increase it? Do I not? Or I'm like, do I outsource? And then I still have a profit, but then I can shoot more weddings at that rate but then again what I'm struggling if even if I shot more weddings I'm still gonna have Peyton like going through a rough time my husband's like not really liking me these days and then I'm kind of stuck now it's like well I either increase my rates and I can shoot less and have more family time and I'll probably outsource since I'm really slow at editing too or kind of just keep everything as is but I have to shoot more but then not have that balance or shoot more and still outsource. So it's like kind of, I can't think of it. Yeah, there's a a lot, you know, moving through your head. I want to reflect back to you what you said. You have said a couple of different ways to me, but just that there's some tension between you and your husband. And I know from other conversations that you have said that it comes from work, from the time and the, Mm -hmm. the investment that you are putting into work. I see you and I know what it's like to be so deeply intertwined with your business that there's a lot of love. There's a lot of validation. There's a lot of need to make sure that I'm keeping my clients happy. And I think that comes from a very, very beautiful place. I also understand what that's like to have a spouse or a partner who is like, 
hey, yo, are you going to ever hang out with us? Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> it's like, do you love your clients more than us? <laughs> you're yeah. kind of like thinking, because again, like you were saying, it's like you're messaging your clients and like messaging you on like text. They want something from you. I'm like, okay, let's go like pick up this timeline or let's meet now. But it's like, oh, we're meeting in the evening. So, and that's family time. So trying to like work out those boundaries a little bit too, right? Like, mm-hmm. You know, and then my husband's like, okay, like now you're hanging out with Peyton, having girl time, and then you fall asleep. But what about me? And I'm still here too. And mm-hmm. like, again, like I think he made a comment. He was like, if I was the CEO of Katie Crane Photography, I'd be very proud of you, but I'm your husband. And he's at this point where it's like another shoot. And like, I'm, it's because it's always there and, and like interwined and we're passionate about it. And it's just yeah. like, I don't want to look at any more images. I don't care if their skin tone looks magenta or green or like blue, brown, mm-hmm. orange. So it's like, I think like that whole disconnect, it's like, yeah, I'm so connected to everything else now, which is great. But now other things. What are do slipping. you love about your job? What are the pieces that you... What are the pieces? I, I, if I stemmed it, I love people and I love story. And I just love meeting different people that of different backgrounds, cultures, personalities, history, and then just capturing all the beauty of people, like in its natural setting kind of thing. And I think that's what I really liked about weddings. And it sounds crazy that I'm going to compare weddings to something sports, but weddings and sports have very like linear themes. And it's like, when the way I capture like sports is like everything's raw, it's grit, it's like glory. People are you're down one minute, you're up next minute, you're celebrating with your team and your family and all that stuff. And again, wedding, it's like very raw, it's emotional, it's engaging, and all your family and friends are there too. And it's just like a different team aspect. So I think that's what I truly love about my work. I love creating and like I do like it when people like things and you feel confident in, in yourself and your abilities. And then I also like the flexibility mm-hmm. of like, you know, if I'm having an off creative day, okay, I'm going to take the day off. But now it's like, I think Are you that allowing yourself that self to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but now I'm not so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can so, see in you that love for telling a story and really crafting a story too, like helping be somebody that is not just capturing what's happening, but like helping guide your people through a story, your clients through the story and through an experience and offering this incredible experience. What I want to challenge you with is to look at the same with your family. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What story are you telling and are you crafting with your family as well? How can you begin to shift that perspective also to to make sure that you're showing up and you're dreaming up the kind of story that you want with your family, that, that they're not taking the back burner with it because the season is really intense. Now I want to get really practical with that too. (laughs) I don't want to just say like big picture. Yeah, that sounds great. If you were to focus on doing, have you ever read the book, the big leap? No. Okay. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. We can link it here for anybody listening to he talks about these different zones that we have. So there's a zone of, oh, I can't even remember the first one. And then there's a zone of competence. And then there's a zone of excellence. And then there's a zone of genius. 
So a lot of us, I think we get stuck in the zone of excellence where maybe we're, or even competence, you know, maybe some of the tasks that you're doing right now, you're, you're competent at them. You're good at them. You know how to do them. You might be really good at them. You might be excellent at them, but where our businesses can really thrive and where we've come alive the most in our lives is when we're living into that zone of genius. The zone of genius is typically an area that it comes so naturally to you. You're so good at it that it doesn't even feel like work. You just love doing it. It lights you up. You could do it all day, every day. When you come away from that thing, you're energized. I'm guessing for you, that's the connecting with clients, that's shooting. And I'm even imagining for you some, maybe some of the back end of like how you're crafting the story. Maybe it's like how you're putting it into a blog post or putting an album together. Maybe there's some parts of that that are the storytelling parts that you really enjoy. What I would love to see you do is like sit down and spend some time journaling and just write mm-hmm. out like the like bullet points of exact like what are the tasks that you love doing? What are the things you look forward to? Every time you see that come up on your calendar or you're like, hey, I need to focus on this today. You're like, oh, yay, I'm excited about that. I can't wait to do it. And then to challenge yourself like anything else, how can you begin to let that go? How can you begin to really bring support around you to help support you in your vision. I think the biggest challenge as a entrepreneur is moving from that kind of solopreneur stage into allowing people to capture and understand your vision and help support you in that because you're one person. You're one person who has a lot of clients with a lot of needs, a lot of different needs, a lot of different stages of the process. There's a lot of a lot of things going on in life that you have a husband that wants to spend time with you. Like how beautiful is that? You know, that he's like, Hey, I love you. I want to hang out with you. You have a daughter who's like, I want to hang out with you, mom. You're fun. You know, you're cool. Like I need your time and your attention. And you got this beautiful gift of this like little window that you thought was two weeks and you were nervous going into it. And then it turned into six to eight months and you somehow made it through that. And it's, (laughs) I'm hearing a lot of joy. I don't hear resentment in you for that. I think, no. yeah, I want to reflect back to you that it seems like that was a really beautiful season. So I want to ask what is possible for you moving forward, could you begin to dream up the kind of lifestyle that would give you both, that would allow you to continue to serve your clients, serve them really, really well, and be really present with your husband and your daughter? I think that's possible. I want to know though, with me just even saying that, like what comes up for you? How does that feel kind of trying that on in your mind? I'm interrupting this episode briefly to let you know that if you could use a little support as you grow your business and really work on expanding your heart, your mind, creating your own version of success in your own life, I'd love to have you apply. You can go to almondleafstudios.com forward slash coaching to get your application in and apply for one-on-one coaching with me. Now back to the show. I think like the first thought that came to my mind, it was just it's kind of really, and it could be my confidence. I do like have like a little bit of low confidence, like as well in terms of like my abilities or reaching like that clientele, but I'd be like, well, I feel like I would have that flexibility in the time, but I would have to take on less weddings. And like, for instance, last year I had maybe about 10 weddings and then I shot, did a lot of family sessions. And then after like taxes and expenses came out, you know, I might've profited $15,000. Mm-hmm. So I was like, but that season as probably my favorite season I've ever shot. Mm. The people were amazing. The stories were bomb. 
everything was so intimate. It wasn't the big show. Like in all honesty, like after COVID, I don't even know if I could go back to the big show with two, 300 weddings. Like I love like the small 50 people wedding and like, you know, mom and dad, by the end of the day, you're giving them a hug or like, you're just seeing all these beautiful people and what they mean to everybody. And the day is more about the love and just the people there rather than impressing people that I'm like, oh, I have like these flowers or, and I'm not saying like two to 300 people, wedding people are like that, but it's just, I feel like when it's a bigger wedding, there's a little bit more at stake. There's like tighter timelines. So it's just a little bit different. Do you feel like you believe that if you were to take less weddings, they would have to be larger? Sometimes. And then sometimes, no, I guess. I just don't know if people would hire me, I guess. Okay. That's a good, yeah, that's a good (laughs) place to start. Yeah. So I love tapping. We've already talked some about it. I would challenge you to tap on that and really say like, we can even just do it quick. You don't even have to repeat after me if you don't want to, whatever you want to do. But I would start with something like, even though I feel like if I take fewer weddings every year to be more present with my daughter and my husband, that nobody's going to hire me. Or I feel like if I raise my rates and take fewer weddings that I'm going to have to shoot these really big weddings and I'm not going to like the people that I work with, mm-hmm. you know, and really just kind of begin that, just kind of move throughout those different points. There's, I've got for anybody listening to, I've got a um, free tapping video on our YouTube that you're welcome to get if you're unfamiliar with tapping. So I would just kind of start with that. And you would just start with like, even though that's a great place to start, even though, and then just see what comes to mind, like allow those like fears, those beliefs that you have that maybe are holding you back from the next step to just come up and just get really honest about it. And then, then kind of challenge yourself to dare to believe that the other could be possible, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so maybe it's like, even though I'm scared that if I raise my rates, this would happen, you can say, but I'm willing to believe it's possible that maybe I could raise my rates and still love the clients I work with, still get to know mom and dad, still feel like I'm in connection and in a close relationship with those people at the end of the day. And so I think a huge part of that will start to shift your entire business because the more that you can kind of change those subconscious beliefs, the more that you'll start to see the external. So it's really wild that 95% of our beliefs, our actions come from the subconscious and only 5% are actually conscious. So in order to make change happen, you have to kind of tap into that subconscious. So that's why mm-hmm. I love tapping because it's it's actually rewiring some of the neurons in your brain. It's actually like forming new, almost like hardwire or softwire, like in your brain, if you're using a computer analogy, like you're actually changing the patterns, changing the structure of your brain and allowing your subconscious to kind of form different beliefs. So tapping can be a really, really amazing way to do that. And then also just on a really practical note, you know, to sit down and map out like, okay, if I were to shoot 10 weddings a year, 15 weddings a year, however many that you feel like would feel like a good fit, or maybe I'm hearing you say that you love the season where you were shooting a lot of families too. Maybe Mm -hmm. if you're doing families, like sit down and do some math of like, how could I make this work where I could actually make more profitable keeping in mind that $100 an hour rate, or you can do the actual math to figure out what your actual hourly rate is. That is based on your family specific needs too. And the costs that you have, all of that included. 
So when you have those numbers and you have that math, you can begin to structure it all where you know that like, hey, if I really just want to do families in this season, so I have a little more flexibility with my schedule, I don't have to be away from my family on the weekends, you can sit down and do the math to figure out how to make that really profitable. How does that all feel? How does that? No, it sounds good. It's like, it's like almost like my husband's going to laugh because he's been trying to tell me this for about five years. He's like, track what you do, how much editing time it takes. Cause sometimes he will tease me that someone's like, I got a part-time job back at the bank or as a teller again. He's like, you know, you're going to be making more money working part-time at like Tim Hortons or something like that than what I'm doing now. Like totally. Yeah. Right. He's not wrong. wrong. I'm guessing if we sat down and did the math on all of what you're like, what you're charging right now and the time you're investing, I've had (laughs) people go through my course, the art of booking and come out on the other end of all the math of it and go, I'm paying myself $5 an hour. Yeah. (laughs) This is a hobby. This is not a business, you know? And so I think that's really the question too, because there's really nothing wrong. If you want it to be a hobby, then great, do it, you know, do it for very low profitability. But if you want it to be a business and you want it to be something that's supporting your family, especially with time away from your daughter and your husband, then I would say, let's make it profitable. Let's sit down and do the math on that and make sure that it really makes sense. So super practical. Obviously you're already taking that next step of outsourcing the editing, right? Yeah, that is a great next step. Because if you're looking at it from that $100 an hour standpoint, and you're going, it takes me 60 hours to edit and cull this wedding, that's $6,000 worth. So if I can outsource that for less than $6,000, it's a no brainer. I think you should be able to outsource a wedding for around $300 or less. That should be a no brainer. So you can work that in the easiest next step. If there's any hesitation within you, just in your heart or in your mind that comes up, I would say then increase your prices. The next time you pitch somebody, uh, you know, your sessions or your collections, raise it $300. So, you know, I've built in that cost, that expense. Now you've taken a huge amount of that time off. There's all kinds of ways that you can support yourself in the business, whether it's from hiring a virtual assistant, you can hire virtual assistants from the Philippines as cheap as like $4 an hour. So you could hire somebody that would do like all of your blogging, planning all your social media stuff. They could upload to, you know, client galleries or prepare timelines or, you know, there's so many ways that you can find support and it doesn't have to be super expensive. It's really a huge part of just like learning to let go of control and learning to prioritize, learning to figure Mm -hmm. out what does success look like for you? So that would be my challenge for you is like to sit down and just start journaling like success looks like, and just see what comes up. Like what can we reframe it? Because I think a lot of times we have this culture where we're so influenced by so many other people, whether that's other wedding photographers Mm -hmm. or just working for a corporation or whatever it might be that's influencing us. And we have these ideas of what success looks like and what we're supposed to achieve. But like you said, you felt like success looked like 25 weddings a year. And then you did that and you're like, uh, I don't want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is not what I wanted. And I thought it was. And so, yeah, I think if you can sit down and get really honest and go, hey, I want to spend two days a week, or I want to be done with work when my daughter comes home from preschool. And I want to not think about it again or touch it again until she's back at preschool the next day. I want to work only when she's at preschool, you know, or I want to make sure that I have Mondays when she's at preschool that I get that day for myself and I can go on walks and read and journal and just feel luxurious with my time, you know, and then so I'm Mm going to work only at Tuesday and Wednesday or whatever it is that you want to dream up what is possible for you. And then you can start to look at how can I structure my business to be supporting 
that dream. And it's not going to be like a leap into the deep end. Like you're going to have to like tippy toe towards it, you know, towards that goal. And like you said, like those working relationships, you know, those images come back the first time that you've outsourced that editing and you're like, ooh, not quite there. You might have to work at it a little bit. And then there might be other times where you hire somebody and you're like, they're killing it. They're better at this than I am. This is amazing, you know, and you feel instantly like freed up from all that. So there's definitely like ebbs and Mm -hmm. flows with it. But but to have that clarity of like, this is what I want. This is the relief I want. I want to have time back with my husband. I want to have time back with my kid. And I want to have the freedom to still love and care for my clients the best way possible. Yeah. How does that all sound and feel? That sounds really good. Good. Does there anything that comes up for you that feels like that's not possible or that you're like, that sounds too good to be true? Um, there's a few limiting beliefs, but I think like what you were mentioning, even like just a date for reflection, I, I don't think I've even reflected in four years, mm-hmm. like to really sit down and like have a day to just chill or a day to be mindful of just of myself and my own worries and stuff. And, you know, I used to do a lot of yoga when I was at Brock and kickboxing. And I'm like, I haven't stretched in four years. And I'm going to my chiropractor, physio. And I'm like, I feel like I'm just so tense all the time. But I haven't really had a chance to let that tension go where mm. it's just like being so tense, like about being a mom, being tense about being a good wife, running my business, serving my clients and being tense. I'm like, oh, am I doing a good job? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the confidence of like comparing myself to others. I'm like, oh, they have a really great shot. And how do I get better? And, you know, I get stuck on posing or like just random things I think about randomly. Yeah. So I think having those days to kind of just take a breath mm-hmm. would be nice. And I think you know, even if this business is full-time, but it's like pushed to part-time clients or something, but then I can be more mindful and present for my own well-being and be mindful and present for my Kyle and Peyton. And that would be probably a good start too. Cause even it's almost like going backwards. Like when I first had Peyton, I kind of pushed them away and it was almost like if I'm being honest, but it's been almost about three years of just pushing them away and like just running the business and going on autopilot. But now I'm seeing like my actions are hindering my family Mm, kind of thing. If I'm being honest a little bit. Yeah. I hear in you that desire. Like, I think that you love your kid. Like you love your family. I can tell that you love them very deeply. And I know that you want to write a story that is really beautiful where it's not this current reality right now is not the story Mm -hmm. that they will remember. And they won't remember that, you know, you're unavailable, that you're working too hard. Like you have all the time and space in the world to change that. And mm-hmm. it's very possible. <laughs> it's sure. very, very, I know it's easy for me to like say sitting over here. It sometimes doesn't feel yeah. that way when you're like sitting in it, but it is very possible. And I think it's beautiful that you want to kind of shift that and, and begin yeah. to transform that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else that's coming up for you that you want to talk about today? you kind of touch based on things. I think like tracking the time would be very good. Seeing how outsourcing, like taking baby steps, like you were saying, it's not going to happen overnight, Mm -hmm. but figuring out those numbers, figuring out what, you know, success might look like for me, like just like being very honest and open with my own self Mm -hmm. and like kind of going from there. Cause even like, if I'm not present for them, it's like, I'm doing all my tasks. I'm not going to say half-assed, like, but like if I'm only doing them 50%, you know, I go to shoots, I'm worrying about Peyton and my husband being mad. 
Mm-hmm. And, and then I even told this to my husband, I'm like, I can't do that. And I know like there's my friends who are cops who have personal lives and they go on the line and, you know, they have to let it go. But I, I'm such a sensitive soul that I cannot let things go. Yeah. So if I feel free, then I shoot free. If I feel like I'm tense and like bounded, then I don't shoot as well. Or like mm-hmm. there's something that's bothering me. It just kind of, that energy is just... Like it's like a cloud (laughs) in a nice way, sort of, so to speak. So that's kind of the only thing. Like for the busy seasons, how are you coping with kind of having that energy and feeling grounded, like going from gig to gig? Yeah. So one of the things I was going to challenge you with that I've been working on is I actually am trying to shift the way that I see, I hate the term self-care, but the best way I know to probably kind of encompass it. But for me, that looks like journaling. It looks like spending some time tapping to practicing EFT, maybe even like laying down and just really kind of like doing some inner child work, you know, what needs healing within me and how can I do that? A lot of times, all of those different kind of practices and ways that I try to really stay in touch with myself used to feel like so luxurious that they were unattainable. And I have shifted that now to feel like a necessity for my business. So that has been a huge, huge transformation for me because then I'm able to prioritize that now. And I still, you know, I'm still always working and getting better at this. And I have seasons where I'm like, oh, right, I'm feeling awful this week because I haven't been journaling or doing anything for myself in like two weeks. Like, so of (laughs) course, like it's always a, it's not a linear progression, I don't think. But I will 100% confirm the times that I feel like things happen with ease in my business and my family feels like content and aligned and peaceful and I'm loving the balance of work and life and family and all of it. Like when that all is feeling good, it is almost 100% when I've been giving that time to myself, usually Mm -hmm. daily too. It's usually more than just like one day a week. It's usually like, you know, giving myself an hour at the start of my workday, instead of diving straight into tasks, can I sit down and journal for an hour? Or could I do a combination of like journaling and, you know, go for a walk, or maybe it's practicing some EFT, some tapping, you know, and doing a couple of tapping exercises on like, for me, it's been about raising rates lately and like the fears that come up with that. Um, mm-hmm. So really prioritizing all of that. Okay, that sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet and connect. If anything else comes up, you know where to find me. I'm here and would love to support you and help you. Well, thank you very much, Liz, for all your help and your guidance. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast today, do us a favor and hit subscribe and then leave us a review. In fact, to celebrate the launch of this podcast, we're doing a giveaway of $100 via Venmo for one lucky reviewer each month for the first three months. All you have to do is leave a review and be sure to drop your Instagram handle in the review so we know how to get in touch. If you're looking for more, you can find us at almondleafstudios.com or on Instagram at almondleaf. Remember, you are enough. You are love. You are light and you are worthy simply because you exist.